where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to do a little little self-indulgent episode and talk a little about me. You're like, Gregory, I just came on to your, your uh, I just found your channel, and uh, I just want to know a little about you. So we're just going to talk about a little about me. <laughs> no MGTOW stuff, no red pill. I mean, I might tangentially talk about how I got on the road, but we're not really going to talk about my kids, anything like that. Let's start. I am the youngest of three. A lot of this, I wouldn't say a lot, but some of this can be found on my original podcast called Confessions of an Obese Child. But I'm the youngest of three. My parents were both from Mexico. And I don't look Mexican, or, or at least the American stereotype of Mexicans as short Indians, the Prietos, as we would call them. No, I am tall and fair skinned. And, and, and uh, one of my children has blue eyes, so I carry that gene. Or it's not my child, but um, but no, because my my brother has blue eyed children as well. Yes, so uh, they came to the United States in the '60s when my father got a job at a cancer hospital, and he worked there for 40 years. I grew up fat and bullied, and it was not pleasant. And we'll just leave it at that because all that's found over at Confessions of an Obese Child. I loved 80s stuff. I, 80s was definitive for me. I just turned 47. So uh, the 80s was like 6 to 16 for me. So I had two older brothers. And because of that, I loved 80s music. So I was really into two kinds of music. My eldest brother, who was 10 years older than I, was into new wave music. So in the early 80s, which was the peak of new wave music, uh, I remember when we would listen to Duran Duran and New Order and The Cure and the Smiths, Culture Club, Bananarama, Dead or Alive, all the synth bands that came out of England during that time, the New Romantic Movement, as they sometimes call it. So I grew up with that music, and I still love that music. I still listen to that music all the time. My middle brother was more of traditional American. He listened to heavy metal, so I grew up with, with Motley Crue, early Motley Crue, Queen, Journey, The Eagles, Zeppelin, stuff like that. Of course, I grew up loving the John Hughes movies and being the blue-pilled nascent simp, thinking that I could be loved for who I was and not the way I looked like a fat, obese, stinky guy. But I grew up loving all those little 80s rom-coms, and you know, I also watched Terminator and all those Cameron movies, too. I, I also loved video games. I had a uh, probably I had an Atari 2600. I had Pong. I do remember Pong on our black and white television, the television that had those big clunky remote controls, and uh, they were part of like wooden consoles. If you remember that back in the day, but then I eventually got a ColecoVision in '83. 
And then eventually uh, Nintendo in 87, and then a Genesis. And that was like the last video game system I had. And that came out probably around 88, 89. And that was it. When I went to college in 92, I stopped playing video games. Or I should say I took the Genesis with me, but that was the last system that I had. I don't play video games at all. I went to a Catholic high school. I went to a Catholic elementary school. I went to a Catholic high school. And later I went to a Catholic university. I would say none of these, in retrospect, given that I'm a traditional Catholic, uh, were really that Catholic. And if you know anything about Catholic universities, the large majority of them, Georgetown, Notre Dame, are cesspools of liberal infiltration. There's only a few like real Catholic universities in America. Most of them have been corrupted. But either way... I grew up very religious, not necessarily because my family was religious. I mean, my family was religious. Like My father died about 10 years ago. My mother is still Catholic. She goes to Mass. Now with COVID, of course, which was the plan, uh, she's not going to Mass. And the stats actually are pretty frightening. About 12%, and, and I would extrapolate this out to a lot of the other denominations, about 12% of self-identified Catholics were going to church before COVID. Now it's like 4%, but only 12% do. And you see that with we're, we're in the post-Christian American world. But my mother is one of those cafeteria Catholics still. You know, I tell her, you know, contraception's wrong, abortion's wrong. She's like, Gregory, you know, Joe Biden's a good guy. My eldest brother is a homosexual. He's gay. And uh, he lives in Vermont, so he loves Bernie. And when Biden got inaugurated, which was his birthday, he sent me a a text. He's like, it's so great that we have a Catholic president who's a good man. And I was like, oh, man, I just don't. There's so many ways I can deconstruct this text. (laughs) There's just so many ways. A good Catholic man who's okay with aborting 820,000 children a year, and he's going to fund Planned Parenthood and blah, 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 whatever. My middle brother. I want to listen to heavy metal music was strident Trump, dude. I mean, strident Trump. I'm a libertarian. I see both parties are inherently corrupt. Certainly, I'm a conservative in my values. I'm certainly a social conservative. Uh, but, uh, you know, I see the charade for what it is that the ruling elite have much more in common with themselves than they do with us. And they just parrot and they tell each constituency what they want to hear, but they really have no intention of changing anything. Both of them are internationalists in nature. Both, both of them are technocratic in nature, and both of them don't give a damn about us. They're both for the great reset, for the, the, the great collusion that we talked about over here uh, last week. But So they're always fighting. So my mom's kind of like a Kennedy liberal, like my father was, you know, the, the kind of party of the immigrants but i mean if my dad was alive he would be freaking out of all the social uh, the social issues that the democrats have hijacked homosexual marriage transgenderism uh, of course uh, abortion you know all these things abortion you can kill the baby even after it's born in some states now i mean he'd be freaking out so Later on, I met my ex-wife in college, and then I went to the University of Alaska for getting useless degrees, but that was fun. Living in Alaska was unique, and then eventually we came back. We got married in the early 2000s, lived in Austin for a little while, went to UT. I was getting my doctorate over there in Latin American history. Uh, My father, of course, wanted me to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a doctor, even though I loved anatomy. He, He literally groomed me to be the doctor. I would go to the hospital with him. And he would run the morgue. He was in charge of the morgue. I cover this over at Confessions of an Obi Child, but so for for every weekend for at least ten years, 
at least he would take me to the hospital. I was understood I was going to do that. But I also loved geography and history because I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid. I was fat, very fat. So all I would do was just play video games and read encyclopedias. And so I had an eidetic memory. So I was able to memorize stuff very easily. But I really loved geography and history. And so uh, my first day in undergrad, I, I, I told my dad I was changing my major from pre-med to undecided humanities, which he flipped. And in retrospect, he should have really passed that shit test and said, no, we're not paying for college if you're going to change it. You're going to go into pre-med. Because I regret not going into pre-med. I really do. So uh, I worked in immigration for a little while. I worked for a company that got work permits for, for, for travelers, for international business travelers. And then eventually I went into the healthcare industry and we'll just leave it at that to keep my occupations vague here. And eventually I divorced. It was not my choice. I was filed on. And uh, yeah, so I started this. Uh, this was, gosh, originally naturopathic news radio, naturopathic earth. I mean, if you go back to, I think right now the last episode you can go to is episode 60. If you go through the Apple feed. But you have to go to Naturopathic Earth to go to the original early 60s. Since this is 363, it's only going to have up to episode 63. So a lot of those early ones on toxins in the food are going to be not found on Apple. But yeah, we changed the name of the podcast quite a bit. Originally, I had Confessions of an Obese Child. That started in January of 2017. And then I started This Awakened Man, which has had three names before that, in March of 2017. And then my ex-fiance and I started the Essential Oils and Essential oils and herbal apothecary, probably that summer in 2017, and then I renamed it. Uh, she does. She did the first four episodes. So if you go to that feed, uh, you can hear my ex fiance's voice. And then after we broke up, I took over and did that channel as well. And then uh, I have other outlets, uh, so forth. Uh, what else? I loved growing up. I loved football, pro football. I never liked college sports because I didn't go to a big college university. Never kept up with college basketball, college football. Don't care. As a kid growing up in Houston, I loved the Rockets and Astros, the 80s versions of those teams, and uh, the Oilers. Now I don't watch any sports pretty much at all. I, I keep like a, a vague interest in the Texans. I know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. And look, I can understand on one level why he wants to leave, but it is a diva. He is a diva and he, he should play out of his contract. Same for James Harden. I, I really got, I always loved soccer as a child because my father was an immigrant. So we used to watch the World Cup and we used to always watch the Mexican League. He was a fan of the Chivas because we were from Guadalajara. So I do, I do like European soccer. I'd say about ten years ago was probably the peak of what I kept up with it, and I, I loved, you know, I knew all the players of all the major club teams in Europe. Now I don't have NBC Sports. I don't really watch it. I kind of vaguely keep up with the tables and in the different leagues, and I watch Champions League if I find a way to watch it, even though I don't have cable. So I'd say my favorite sport is soccer, and then pro football. But I, I can honestly tell you, I've not watched a full pro football game in years. I hate commercials. I don't have cable. I don't have local TV because I hate commercials. The only thing I watch is streaming. So I have Netflix and Amazon Prime and on and off I'll have HBO. Yeah. My favorite snack is dark chocolate. I love 90% dark chocolate. I eat every day. I, I love nuts as well. And so lots of times I'll get, uh, God, my local grocery store has these dark chocolate covered almonds with turbinado salt. They're like crack cocaine. Crack cocaine. I love hummus. I love berries. I, I endeavor to eat a modified paleo diet. If you go to naturopathic earth, I have a lot of recipes there. But I, I, I do eat regular food. You know, I fast uh, 20 hours a day, probably the last year 
We, we talked about recently in my fasting schedule, so I'm not going to talk too much about it now. I do love ethnic food. I, I tend to love a lot of Middle Eastern, Indian, and Thai cuisine. I'm not a big fan of American food because I think it's honestly bland. For whatever reason, all my years of binge eating caused my palate to go dull. So the only food that to me has like real taste is going to be spicy food, but not Mexican jalapeno spicy, but it's got to be like uh, curry, right? That kind of spicy. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, I've been exercising six times a day or six times, I should say, six times a week, five, six times a week since 1990 when I lost my weight. I tend to do a lot of rowing. And, and, you know, this has changed in 30 years. I used to do a lot more running. Now I barely ever run. I had a, I, I picked up cycling last March when everything got locked down. And then I had an accident in May. Uh, I fell on my knee and jacked it up. And since then, I haven't done a lot of running. Uh, so I, I do lift every other day. And then I do elliptical or rowing. I mix it up here and there. But I don't really run as much anymore. But I like that. And I do it, I do it, of course, you know, as a biohack. But I love the endorphin kick. It's the same reason I do fasting now. It's for the endorphin kick just like the cognition and, and, and so forth. I don't drink coffee. I drink tons of tea. I like to spend my days at a coffee shop. I love coffee shops. Not Starbucks, but like authentic coffee shops. I like to do that. I like to take a lot of walks. I take a morning walk at dusk. I take, I'm sorry, at dawn. I take an evening walk around nine o'clock. I love the walk at night. Look at the stars, listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Don't listen to a lot of music. Don't listen to a lot of music. Certainly not modern music. Uh, when I listen to music, I notice the older I get, I like female singer-songwriters. I just find the music relaxing. So I like Ingrid Michaelson and Sarah Bareilles. Uh, you know, I still listen to my new wave of music and classic rock. And I've always liked, uh, you know, sinful pleasures like U2 and even George Michael. But but in general, I don't really listen to music much. I really don't listen to music much. I probably watch about an hour and a half of television a day. I don't really, I don't watch a lot of TV. And I don't watch YouTube at all. And I don't know. I turn off my phone at 7. I like to tune out. That way I can read and pray. I do a rosary every day, typically in Latin. Sometimes I mix in English and Latin. I memorized it about 10 years ago. I just like, it just connects me to the language of the church. And so when I'm doing the rosary in Latin, and if you, for you Protestants, the rosary is just a meditation on the life of Christ. We do a, we say a lot of Hail Marys in it. In a, a decade has 10 Hail Marys and one Our Father. But uh, we, we're, we're not, it's each decade is an, an event in Jesus' life. So when we're saying the Hail Marys, we're, it's kind of like a mantra to keep us focused and concentrated on thinking about an, 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 an event of Jesus' life, whether it's his resurrection or when he was whipped or when, you know, when he was born, whatever it is. Anyways, I like doing it in Latin because it connects me to all the saints of 2,000 years of church history. They also the rosary in Latin. I like to do that. also connects me to people all around the world. Right, Koreans aren't going to have their their mass in English, but you know what? Some of them do rosaries in Latin, so it connects me to all the other Catholics in the world. I feel that the papacy has been largely infiltrated by Masons and Marxists and socialists. This has been something that's been uh, planned or at least ongoing for about 150 years. Now, what's my opinion of Pope Francis? It doesn't really matter. Look, the the job of the Pope is to be the vicar of Christ and. He can be a bad guy and still be a relatively good pope. We've had lots of bad popes in human history. We've had a lot of good popes that have been saints later on. It doesn't really matter. It's just like people are like, oh, the pope's bad, so Christianity's bad. Okay, so you, you have one bad doctor and all the whole healthcare industry's bad? I mean, you can't use that logic. Francis, I feel, is a liberal. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. But 
as long as he's not messing with the, uh, the, the the Catholic dogma, then you really can't call him out. If he starts messing with Catholic dogma, then you can call him an apostate. I believe that the Catholic Church, along with all the Christian churches, are going to be persecuted, and they're going to be turned into a small remnant. A small remnant. They're never going to die because Matthew 16, Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell will never prevail. So there will always be a remnant. But I'm looking at a mass calling of Christians, and you've seen it on one level in, in, in just the the postmodernist infiltration, a thinking ideology that's infiltrated the last hundred years, really modernist thinking and then postmodernist thinking. And then to the point where people are in, they have indifferentism. They just don't think religion's that important. Again, the, the typical America, I'm not saying there, there's certainly definitely pockets of, of piety of all de- denominations. But uh, with COVID, I mean, it's made it even worse. Some people have gone back to, to church. Most people have not. And I just see with, again, go to the Great Collusion episode. It's just uh, the, the church is going to be persecuted, and it's going to turn into a very small group. Now, granted, there's a billion Catholics. So what I mean in the world, a small group, it's still going to be, you know, I don't know how many. Who knows? Who knows? Ultimately, the decisions I make, including being a chaste monk, are all informed by my, my decision or my, my goal to get into heaven. And I believe the Bible, along with church teaching, gives us a guideline or a, a kind of a rubric on things you should avoid that increase your chances of getting heaven. So I try to avoid those things. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. I've purged a relationship thirst. I feel like your life can be fine without a woman in your life, so long as you surround it with family and friends and other activities. If you are a loner, uh, that's not good for you. Yeah, we are social creatures, especially, and I think everything, everybody's demonstrated this uh, during the COVID lockdown. Uh, we need humans. We need social interaction. I think that's important. I don't have a pet. I have some birds. They're low maintenance. I like dogs, but I don't know. I just don't want a dog. Yeah. What else? TV shows. I tend to like historical dramas. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones is great. I watched that since season one. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of into the prestige dramas that you would find on HBO uh, and somewhat on Netflix. So I, I like The Crown. Uh, I loved Mad Men when it was out. I loved Lost when it was out. Those shows I was really into uh, from the beginning. Uh, in terms of comedies, I loved Catastrophe on Amazon, which I think is a cute little comedy. Fleabag, of course, was great, even though it's, it shows 21st century thoughtery at its worst. I don't watch any primetime television, so I can't really comment anything that's on NBC, NBC, or any of the cable television shows. I am highly pragmatic. I'm an extremely pragmatic person. I think to the point where uh, I tend to be pretty frugal. You know, I only have so much money. I, I pay a lot to child support. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. And this is an example that I can't necessarily relate to. But, like, you know, people want to get a new car every three years. I can't relate to that. Like, part of me relates to it because the my car that I have doesn't have Bluetooth. So part of me is like, you know, it's like the devil whispering in your ear. You get a new car, get a new car. But my car is paid off and only has 115,000 miles on it. So the pragmatist in me is like, why the hell are you going to buy a new car and you know, have to pay car payments. That makes no sense. Right. So that's an example. It's like, no, I'm just going to drive it until it drops dead. <laughs> but I tend to be very pragmatic. I tend to be very analytical to the point of neurotic. I've talked about this before. I tend to be neurotic. I'll be very honest with myself. Uh, this is a kind of a scourge that happens to over analytical people. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm over analytical. 
No, I just know I'm over analytical. And I uh, can't shut off my mind. And so a lot of people turn to alcohol to shut it off. That's a good segue. I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. Never, never been drunk. My father was an alcoholic. I think that had something to do with it. So alcoholic kids or kids of alcoholics go one of one two ways. They drink and they emulate their father or they abstain. They're abstemious. So I was abstemious. I do drink wine here and there if I'm with people. One glass. I'm a lightweight. I feel it after one glass. And if I'm out, then I only drink one glass because I'm always worried I'm going to get pulled over. Even though I probably won't get pulled over. But I'm one of those guys. I'm too conscientious about that. I just, yeah, one drink. That's it. I like to be in control. I like to be able to control my faculties. And that's why I don't do drugs either. Uh, Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, That's about it. I don't know what else to talk about. I do read. I I read quite a lot. I like the, the classic works of Western literature. I also like reading a lot of church history. I love apologetics. I love talking to Protestants and atheists about their beliefs. And I, I, I have fun doing that. Yes, so I read. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right, so I guess this is fleshed it out. I'm sure there's other quirks about me that I've missed. My favorite color is purple. I know some would say that's gay, but I find it to be a relaxing color. Guys, the website's Naturopathic Earth. Check it out. If you want to help us out, there's a PayPal link. Click there. Donate some money. Also, there's a link to Naturopathic Earth, the website. So click on that. It takes you to the website. You'll see my two books on the right side. You can buy those books, but click on them. It takes you to Amazon. Then anything you buy on Amazon within 24 hours by going through those links, I get a 2% commission at no expense to you because I'm an Amazon affiliate. If you need some help from the Red Pill perspective or weight loss, contact me through the clarity.fm link. Go to clarity.fm. We can schedule something. And lastly, please post an honest review for The Awakened Man and subscribe. Post an honest review for the female essential oils. I'm sorry, the female holistic health apothecary. And also subscribe and post an honest review for Confessions of an Obi Child. And I recommend you go check those out if you want more information about them. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at The Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts. And consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Music attributed to Nine Inch Nails.